to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Thank you, everyone, for joining another episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. We are your hosts, Sayla and Eileen. And today's guest, we have Brian Burke. Brian has an extensive real estate background where he has been investing in real estate for over 30 years and is a founder, president, and CEO of Praxis Capital. He has purchased more than 750 properties, including over 3,000 multifamily units worth more than half a billion dollars and has raised $100 million plus from individual investors. Brian is also the author of The Hands-Off Investor, an insider's guide to investing in passive real estate syndications. So really excited to have Brian on today's episode. Um, welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you give us a little bit more about your background and how you got started with real estate? Well, I got started in real estate like a lot of people would, and that's with uh, single family homes. That was where I cut my teeth doing single family fix and flip. And then I was buying houses, you know, originally from distressed sellers. And then I started buying houses on the courthouse steps at foreclosure auctions, uh, and then kind of grew into a rental property landlord where I was keeping some of the houses I was buying and, you know, building up a rental portfolio. And then, and then I came to the conclusion that I could really scale my business a lot if I could get into multifamily. So my first multifamily acquisition was over 20 years ago and it was a 16-unit apartment building. And to me, that was huge. <laughs> it was huge. And I've just grown it from there. So now, you know, 3,000 units and a half a billion dollars in real estate later, uh, I'm still doing this. And in 30 years from now, I'll probably still be here. I'll be on your show again in 30 more years. First off, we want to just congratulate you on publishing your book this year. I know that was a really great accomplishment. Yeah, that was uh, it was an incredible thing. I I never really thought I would do that. My wife told me for years I should write a book, and I'm like, you know, I'm not experienced enough to write a book yet, or I don't, you know, I've only I've only done 400 real estate deals. I don't have enough, <laughs> you know, experience to write a book yet, and so I waited until I had about 750 under my belt, and then decided, all right, I guess now maybe I know enough to write a book. And then I wasn't sure if anybody would read it or like it or if it even be any good, and, and but. Yeah, the big thing for me is I didn't know how hard it was to write a book. I mean, I, it was such an overwhelming thing. And I, I was uh, having lunch with Brandon Turner one day, and he's a, a BP author. And I asked him, I said, you know, how do you do that? How do you write all these books? And he kind of told me how he gets started when it's time to write a book. And I thought, well, geez, I can do that. So this isn't so hard. So I did what he suggested. And then I found out, yeah, it really is hard. <laughs> thank you very much, Brian, for providing the backgrounds. And thank you again for coming to our show. It's a great honor to, to have you here. Could you please provide a little bit more details about your book, The Hands-Off Investors, and a quick summary of the book? Yeah, The Hands-Off Investor was written with the uh, passive investor in mind. You know, in that conversation with Brandon, I said, you know, I don't even really know what I'd write a book about, you know, it's, and, and you know, he was like, well, you know, what is it that you specialize in? And it's like, well, we specialize in, you know, having investors invest in real estate deals. We should write a book about investors or something. I'm like, wait a minute, nobody's written a book to teach investors how to invest in passive real estate syndications. And you know, and I'm a real estate syndication sponsor. So, you know, I know all of the insider tricks and, you know, I know how this business works. 
I could write a book to teach investors how to properly invest. And at first I thought, I'm not the right person for this. You know, this should be written by someone who just does passive investing. And then it, it struck me as I got into the, the writing of the book that, no, really, this requires somebody that knows the insides of the business. And that's me. And so the book is written to teach people who are thinking about investing their hard-earned dollars with a syndication sponsor in a real estate deal of which they have no control over it. How do they make that investment and do it the right way and try to stack the odds in their favor? Uh, and that's what the hands-off investor does. It's not to teach you how to be a real estate investor. It's to teach you how to watch what the real estate investor is doing and ask the right questions and know if the answers they're giving you make any sense. Yep. I'm very excited to actually got your book and I'm, I cannot wait to actually read it from front to end. And Eileen and I, we both also passive investors and we really hope that we actually have this book before we actually jumping in into investing any of the syndication deals. So just uh, start from the basic point of things. What is a syndication and who are the main players in a syndicate? Yeah, so a syndication is an arrangement where an investment sponsor, so that would be like somebody like me or you know any of the other companies that are out there that are, that are putting out private offerings for people to invest in. Somebody is in control of the deal. They find the real estate, they execute the purchase agreement, they go find the financing, they'll be in charge of managing the asset after they acquire it, and they'll be in charge of selling it. That's the syndication sponsor. They team up with investors who are just private individuals, high income earners, high net worth individuals, family offices, whoever the case may be that have money to invest. So like, you know, you always see like on late night TV, they talk about, you know, you can buy real estate with none of your own money. You can use other people's money. They call it OPM, you know, use other people's money. Well, you know what, this book is written for the other people. You know, what about the other people, the people that have the money? That's the investor side on a syndication. So you have the investors and you have the sponsor. The investors just bring the money and the sponsor does all the work and makes all of the decisions. So that's the essential components. Now, the, the tricky part about all of this is that the investors don't really have a lot of say in what happens. They're truly passive. And that means you have to place a lot of trust in that syndication sponsor and you need to, you know, your toughest decision is going to be which syndication sponsor do I invest with? Because making the wrong decision there will set the course for potential challenges, difficulties, or even outright failure. So that decision is critically important. From your experience as a passive investor, what is the biggest mistake that a passive investor should avoid when looking into investing in the syndication deal? Well, there's two and they're somewhat related to each other. So the biggest mistake is that they invest with the wrong investment sponsor. That's the biggest mistake people make. And usually the reason they make that mistake is they're focused on the wrong things and they don't do the proper due diligence. And so if you think about you know, today's world, we buy everything on Amazon, right? You go to Amazon, you type in whatever it is that you're looking for, you get a variety of different products that meet your search criteria, and you'll pick the one that has the lowest price, for example. You know, and so it's very easy to kind of point, click, done. And you can't use that same concept in private investing because what people do is they want to go to a crowdfunding website, for example, they say, I want to invest in an apartment building. They get a menu of 20 different options. They look over that menu of options and they go, this one has the highest rate of return. 
Well, it's the highest promised or highest forecasted rate of return, but will it really be the highest rate of return? So people will gravitate towards the one that has the highest rate of return and they go, that's the best one for me. I'm going to invest in it. And they don't do any due diligence. They don't look behind the numbers to see if that projected return is achievable or even likely or even possible. They just believe it and invest in it and don't do any homework. And that's the biggest mistake they can make. Yep. And then in in your book, I, I saw one of the stories that you had about one of your friends who invested with one of these syndicators, just looking at the numbers and not really investigating the background of the individual. And they ended up basically bankrupting her and ruining her retirement future, basically. She lost her entire life savings. Yeah, lost her entire life savings. Uh, and, And the reason was, is it turned out the investments themselves were probably sound, but the syndication sponsor involved in those deals was a crook. And if you invest with a thief, the outcome will not be good no matter how strong the real estate investment is. And that was the piece that was missing. Uh, in that due diligence process. So it's very important that you have a really good understanding of who you're investing with because they can make or break you. You don't want to invest with a crook, first and foremost. That's an automatic fail. But you also don't want to invest with someone that's inexperienced or doesn't have uh, the uh, market knowledge or the things required to uh, successfully implement the investment either. Yep, that's really great advice. And can anyone invest in a syndication deal? Anyone can invest in a syndication deal, yes. Now, there's a few asterisks to that statement. So if a syndication investment is publicly advertised, then that syndication investment will be restricted only to accredited investors, which means you have to have a million dollars net worth, not including your personal residence, or you have to have an income of greater than $200,000 if you're uh, single or you could use $300,000 combined with a spouse. If, if you meet the accredited investor criteria and the accreditation is not a certification or a test, it's just simply you either have the income or the net worth or you don't. If you meet that criteria, you can invest in any syndication investment. Even if you saw it on a billboard, you can invest in it. If you're not an accredited investor, then there can be restrictions on what uh, syndication investments you can invest in. Specifically, you can't invest in any of the syndications that advertise, which means that you only can invest in ones that you find out about through word of mouth, through friends, referrals, and that sort of thing. And and generally speaking, it's preferred that you have a pre-existing relationship with the syndication sponsor. Now, this exemption was basically designed so that, you know, the average person could go out and do a real estate deal and have their family and friends invest with them. They had a pre-existing personal relationship uh, or a pre-existing business relationship. So there was some trust built there already. That's what it was designed for. The way it gets put into practice in a lot of cases is people who completely don't know each other and they're investing in a sponsor's deals. And that's where it gets to be a little bit more murky. It's okay. They don't have to have a pre-existing relationship, but they also could not have come by way of an advertisement and so generally, the pre-existing relationship is the proof that they didn't come because of an advertisement. So a lot of sponsors will say they have to have a pre-existing relationship in order to invest. So you, you've got to kind of check with the sponsor to see if you can invest or not. 
Got it. And thank you for that. And now I would like to talk about the current market. Now, as you know, we're in the COVID-19 situations and a lot of investors is possibly, possibly afraid to invest and possibly wanted to know, is it a good time to invest based on your experience in the last 30 years of investing in multi-families and single families? What is your view of the current COVID-19 market comparing to the other market downturns? Yeah, it's different than the other market downturns. You know, the most recent market downturn we had was the great financial collapse that really began in 2005, but was most deeply felt in 2008 and 2009. That financial collapse was caused by real estate. Real estate in 2005 was being sold and financed to buyers that were completely unqualified with loans that they could never afford to repay. Subsequently, that caused a collapse in the real estate market. And that collapse in the real estate market caused collapses in the job market in the financial and real estate and construction sectors, which ultimately led to a cascading effect of job losses and a major economic malaise that really hit the hardest in 08 and 09. So real estate took a beating. To buy real estate in 2005 was a death sentence for a real estate investor, but to buy it in 2009 at the trough of the market was the greatest opportunity ever in my lifetime to buy real estate. That's exactly what I was doing is I was buying it by the bucket load in 2009 because it was a great opportunity. This current situation is completely different. This situation was not caused by real estate. It was caused by a virus and then the reaction to attempts to control the virus. And that has impacted jobs first, which will impact real estate second. So kind of the reverse of what happened in the last economic climate or economic cycle. So what we see now is we see you know, job losses creating some affordability issues, especially in the service sector of the economy, which is hitting the lowest tier, the lowest rung on the property ladder. You know, your class C properties, your class D properties, the rental market more so than the for sale market. High priced areas like California and New York are getting hit harder than lower cost markets like Phoenix, Tampa. Dallas, you know, those kinds of places are seeing less of an impact. And also how long and how deeply they're closing out local businesses. And so California, who's shutting down everything is suffering worse than, you know, maybe Georgia, which is completely open for business. So there's a variety of different impacts to real estate. If you own something that rents for $1,100 or $1,200 a month, you're probably going to do just fine if you're in an area where people are moving to, like the growth states like Phoenix, you know, Texas, or Arizona, Texas, Georgia, Florida, Carolinas, Tennessee. Uh, but if you own $4,500 a month apartments in San Francisco, you're probably in for a world of hurt. So the market looks different depending on who you are, where you're investing, and what price point your real estate is in. So for the passive investors who wanted to jump into a syndication deal right now during the COVID uh, pandemic, how would you respond to them? Well, I would say first read the book so that you know what questions to ask and how to do due diligence on potential sponsors how to analyze real estate to determine whether or not their business plan makes any sense 
or if they're missing things in their underwriting and that sort of stuff. So get educated is the first and foremost thing. And there's time, you know, the market's going to recover and it's going to take time for it to do that. So there's no reason you have to jump in head first into an investment by next week or you're going to completely miss the cycle. Not going to happen. You have time to educate yourself a little bit, understand what you're getting yourself into, and then find sponsors that you think are going to be capable of taking advantage of the upside of this cycle and successfully executing an investment plan. So take your time with that. Get to know the sponsors that you think you might want to invest with. Diversify your investments, which means don't invest all of your money with one sponsor. Don't invest all of your money in one city. Don't invest all of your money in one type of real estate. Consider passing some of the money around a little bit. Maybe you'll do some apartments in you know, Phoenix and Texas and Tampa and uh, the Carolinas, and you'll do a little bit of industrial in, you know, in Houston and, and Tucson and, and things like that, where you've got a little bit of different exposures You'll have some different sponsors involved. What you're trying to do is you're trying to eliminate any single point of failure. And if you can do that, then you can absorb a hit in one place with your successes in other places and don't put all your eggs in one basket. From an active side as a sponsor, do you have any strategies that you communicated to your existing investors currently? Yeah, we, we, you know, our strategy right now is we're looking at markets where there is strong post COVID rent growth forecasts. And what are also interesting are markets that are getting hit hard by the COVID pandemic. So, one interesting market, for example, like Las Vegas, they're probably going to have negative rent growth for the next year or two because it's a heavily service sector based economy. And that's taking the biggest hit right now. So, you know, they'll see some dislocations in their market, but post pandemic, when the tourists come back, it's going to come back pretty quick and that rent growth will come back. So, you know, we're looking at markets like that. We're looking at markets like Phoenix, which is the nation's leader in rent growth. And it's because everybody's fleeing California and leaving this state for uh, Phoenix and Tucson. You've got people leaving New York and moving to Florida. So, you know, investing in those markets where people are moving to makes a ton of sense. Uh, And that's really the message we're conveying to our investors is we want to be investing in markets where people are moving to, not where they're moving from. And we want to find deals that we see that can perform even if we can't raise rents right away. So if an investor wanted to invest with you, Brian, how would they go about doing so? If they're an accredited investor, the easiest way is just to go to investwithpraxis.com. And on that website, investwithpraxis.com, they can watch the webinar for our current offering, which is a uh, 506C offering, which means that we can take, we can advertise, but we can only accept accredited investors. They can watch our webinar and they can express interest in investing or getting more information right there on that website. Otherwise, if they're not an accredited investor, they can go to our website, learn about what our company does. They can send us a contact request. We can have a phone call with them and start to establish that pre-existing relationship that we talked about earlier and get to know what their goals and objectives are and what their investment criteria is and that sort of thing. But for accredited investors, it's pretty easy. So... You already wrote a book. You're owning thousands of units. And what is your next focus? 
My next focus is just simply growing our portfolio. Um, you know, we're in the midst right now of raising a fund that we're using to uh, be prepared to acquire opportunities as we find them in this interesting economic dislocation that we find ourselves in right now. So that's going to be our focus for the next while. I'm I'm a one-trick pony. I do real estate really well. I'm not going to be the next series book author and have a, a menu of 10 different books you can read. I'm probably a one and dunner in that regard. I don't know. Maybe I'll have one more in me someday. But buying uh, multifamily assets is something we found we're really good at. And uh, if we stick to our lane, we get to where we're going. If we try to veer off our lane too far, we crash in the trees. So um, this is where you'll find me for the next 20 or 30 years. For someone who's just starting out in a real estate multifamily investing business, what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart? Well, one is that they stay after it for the long term and they don't give up. And, you know, if you're if you're going to be, let's say you're aspiring to be a syndication sponsor, what you'll find is it's a lot more difficult than you ever imagined. And people tend to underestimate that. And when you get into the face of difficulty, people give up, they quit, they say, oh, this is too hard or it's impossible or I can't do this. uh, And they stop. And generally, that's the biggest mistake they can make because if they stuck with it, uh, they might find that they would be enormously successful. I know that's what happened to me. I found it to be very difficult and challenging with a lot of obstacles and barriers. But if I could tackle all of them, I was able to find success. So I I think that that perseverance uh, of never giving up is the one thing that's going to separate who uh, survives from who doesn't. Throughout your real estate career, what has been the highlight? Right now is the highlight. I mean, we're I'm, I'm finally at this point where I have a business that's really building and feeding upon itself. You know, we've got an incredible base of investors that's continuously organically growing all on its own from word of mouth and referrals and, and people saying good things about us to their friends. And no one could ask for a better business than one where all your marketing is done by your customers. What tools or techniques have you used to improve the efficiency of your business or your personal life? Technology has been the biggest one for me. I've been a believer in this way back from the beginning. When I first got started investing in this in real estate, there was barely even such a thing as the internet. (laughs) I didn't have email. I didn't have any of that stuff. And I remember when I used to go to the courthouse steps to buy foreclosure sales from the notices you'd cut out of the newspaper. That's how we did it. I would go there and everybody at the auction had like just a whole briefcase full of file folders. And each file folder represented one of the properties that was going to auction. They had all these files and something would come up for auction. And, you know, they had to shuffle through all this paperwork to figure out how high they wanted to bid. And I thought, there's got to be a better way than this. So I taught myself how to write software code. And I said, you know, I know exactly what I need. I need a really sophisticated database that can track all these different things. I can run my title searches on it. It will automatically prioritize liens for me. It will calendar all the upcoming auctions. And I created this incredible software tool that set me miles ahead of the competition where I could literally go to the auction and bid on something that everybody else would be looking at each other going like, what was that? I didn't have that one. Where'd that come from? Because they had lost track of it and I didn't lose track of anything. And so I figured out that I needed to apply that same principle to all aspects of my business. 
And that's how we, you know, now we use a really sophisticated financial modeling software that I also wrote myself that enables us to acquire multifamily properties and, and know exactly what we, uh, how we can forecast the financial performance. And that's just been enormously helpful in this business to have that sophisticated technology and that competitive advantage. And it enables us to do this without expanding our headcount too much and having massive overhead of people to do what fewer people can do with the right software. Thank you so much. And if um, our listeners wanted to find out a little bit more about you, Brian, where can they go? The best place to go is our website, praxcap.com. It's P-R-A-X-C-A-P.com. They can follow us on Instagram at praxcap, uh, on Twitter at praxcap. My personal Instagram is investor Brian Burke. And of course, our biggerpockets.com is a great place to find me there, answering people's questions on real estate topics. And of course, investwithpraxis.com if you're an accredited investor and want to find out more about investing with us. Thank you so much, Brian, for being on our show. And thank you so much on behalf of all the investors out there. So we really appreciate that you actually wrote this book and uh, giving us a a blueprint and uh, so that all of us won't repeat the story that your friend just went through in the past. So we appreciate that. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.